Welcome to, yeah, we're in season three of the next chapter presented by Baron Davis and Six Studios. But yeah, Trey, uh, fresh season, fresh start. We're going to shake things up just a little bit. As you just kind of mentioned, sometimes change can be really hard, but sometimes change is necessary. Sometimes it's Mm -hmm. important to kind of just like keep you on your toes and keep everybody on their toes. So obviously I'm Prim, I am the host, but today I'm going to have, I decided to invite some people in because to be honest, Trey, it was getting a little lonely. So if you don't mind, I would love for you to just kind of join me in as being a wingman. So ladies and gentlemen, allow me to introduce to you Trey Edwards, AKA Black Trey, so, Trey, you and I go way back. Um, mm-hmm. I actually don't know how we met. I think it was through the Count the Dings basketball family, was it not? Absolutely, yes. Uh, you did a live show, and then I met you that way. Mm. And also, you know, I know your husband, too. So, um, mm-hmm. that's how it that's how it started. But then, yeah, I mean, from here and there, we've just been friends and kind of chimed in from time to time. So, Yeah, the, the Count the Dings family is very... It's a loving, awesome It's a revolving door, too. (laughs) It's a revolving door, you know? I mean, I'm going to be honest, you know? Like, (laughs) you know, even how I met, you know, Maze. I met Maze through a friend, a mutual friend. And, and, you know, Maze came to our live show. And that's how, you know, Maze and Jade kind of hit it off. And I look up and I'm like, ah, okay. There you go. This works. <laughs> it just works, you know. <laughs> the rest is history. Well, you know what? Things were things were getting a little lonely and Maze, no offense to you, my producer, but you know, I, and Maze, you know, for this episode, I would love for you to reveal yourself and you can unmic yourself too because I think the thing that I enjoy when I have co-hosts and companies and producers chiming in is it, it feels like a community. And that's the one aspect that I've always loved about broadcasting. So not that I ever felt lonely when I was interviewing my guests, because I love doing that. I love the aspect of like they're ne- enjoying to hearing about their narratives and storytelling and all that stuff. But, you know, a little consistency in, in community is really good. So I want people to get to know you first before we, you know, we'll mm-hmm. see where this episode takes us. But um, original member of the Count the Ding squad, a member of the Bomb squad, the Black Opinions Matter Monday, a podcaster, contributor, NBA analyst at The Athletic, um, one of the creators of the NBA bubble life mm-hmm. Twitter account. Uh, and you also work at Wyden and Kennedy right now. Um, yes. right. So you got a lot of stuff going on. And, <laughs> I got a lot and, of stuff going on. And I feel like there's this other, I don't really know how to introduce this into your resume. Why are your eyes getting all wide? Are you worried? No, I'm not. No, I'm okay. interested. <laughs> it's more curiosity. I mean, I, you know, I, I get real shy when people talk about me it's in front of me. You get shy. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, like, again, am I supposed to stick my chest out or, like, pound it? I don't know. I mean, I look at yeah, it like... Yeah, you can do that. People literally explain who I am in front of other people. And I think that's the weirdest thing ever. Like, I, I don't get it. I mean, maybe people get off on that of, like, yeah, tell them more about me. Yeah, tell me more. But I've also seen people like that, like, that don't get the credit. I think I get a lot of credit. So I don't need people to, like, bullhorn what yeah. I do or that's this thing. It's just a normal, you know. So I think the reason why it becomes maybe 
particularly uncomfortable is because yeah, how do you, how do you set up somebody when a part of their which you've tried to kind of you kind of keep it on the on the DL and it's like you're kind of secret life, but you like, you roll in big circles, especially particularly with the, like the MBA um, slash basketball family. And so, yeah, I don't really know how to, to set you up with that, but maybe like connector or ultra connected. I like that. So so, um, one of my late friends, we, we joked about how important connectors are, you know what I mean? Like um, Hovain Hilton was a big connector and, that was the trait that we, you know, we would be like, oh, you know him, you know him. All right. We put you in a group chat. Now y'all get cool and just go about it that way. So like, I like to, I like the term connector of things, but like, um, definitely shouting out rest in peace, Hovain Hilton, but mm-hmm. he was like a point guard and I was a point guard of mainly like putting people in, in the same room and, and creating good stuff. So. That is yeah. so interesting. That makes so much sense about why you and Ben, my husband, connect because he too thinks through those same lens. Like he yeah. is a connector and likes to create good content, but particularly likes focuses on relationships and how people could really collaborate and 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 do good things. So, can mm-hmm. I just ask you? So, who are who are some people within your circle that you seem to be particularly tight with? Um, man, that's a that's a good question. Um, in my circle, I don't think I have a circle. I think it's just like, cause it's not like real tight knit. I think I'm a circle of one. Honestly, I think everything else is like, you know how atoms are like, it has like these little sticks going out of it. You know, we would make those projects. I think that's <laughs> the, the external like circles that kind of web that way, because I just, I'm involved in so many things. I got my hands in, and so many different, you know, um, things that's going on. But like, ideally, like, you know, I got like, you know, just I, again, it's just different people. You know, what I mean, I have a friend that I'm still friends with from for 20 years. I mean, I would consider him my best friend. This guy named Donald. Um, I I don't I wouldn't put a label on me and Kevin Durant's relationship, but I talk to him every day. Um, you know, um listener of the show Maze knows Sarah Mati. I talk to her every day. Like, so I have different people that I literally talk to like hourly, you know what I mean? Like it just depends mm-hmm. on what it is. And I'm also a mentor to like different people in different, you know, in, in different acts of life. You know what I mean? Like I got someone that's, that's working corporate that I mentor. I got a college student that I mentor. I got a, a rapper that I mentor. Um, yeah, the list goes on. So um, you're just it's, all it's, over the place. Yeah, I mean, I think that's that's the part of life is just mainly just sharing and 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 kind of helping others. You know what I mean? Like it's uh, mm-hmm. the the real the real thing is is being in service of others. As long as people don't abuse it, I think that's where it gets gets kind of out of control when people be like, "Oh, I'm a, you know, I know he can help me." Or I'm gonna just ring this out until I to this person can't help me anymore. Like I think I try to stay away from those people. Yeah, um, I'm pretty big on like not getting new people in my life. I don't like to add more. Do you, you think that's I mean? an age thing? I do. I actually I think I kind of have a. Uh, I. I feel like I, I do have an issue with that. And maybe that's me being, as you get older, that whole cliche of, of 
um, the older you get, the the less flexible you become. Right. So I, I do feel that I'm all about quality rather than quantity, at least when it comes to like making friends and expanding the network. But I'm trying to like, I, I'm trying to shift that for me because I think that's what, that's what life is all about is, you know, nurturing the relationships. But for myself, like I need to be open to change. I need to be flexible, especially in today's climate. Now, I mean, not just in, from a workforce perspective and also in mm-hmm. our industry and in media, I mean, it's like, have you seen this kind of change in the past seven, eight years compared to all previous generations? Like, it's one of the most volatile industries, I would argue. You know what I'm saying? So um, I would have to, but I understand what you're saying about keeping it tight. And I also agree with quality and quantity, but also who am I to say that that person's not quality? I just think that they might not be for me or At the the level of life I am at, you know what I mean? Like, again, I don't Mm -hmm. relate to a lot of things that are related to maybe five years ago. The jokes sometimes aren't the same. Like, I have group chats where I'm like, I'm going to be active today or I'm not going to be active today because this particular topic isn't for me. And I'm, I have, uh, I don't consider myself a thought leader, but I feel like my opinion is taken too strongly. So, some people take it personal or the law of like, I'd be like, oh, nah, I think that's stupid. And there's like, ha- are you well, saying that happens like on the oh, show or with fans? In general, just my really? friends and everything. <laughs> yeah. Like they think like, well, who asked you? And it's like, no, nah, I was just offering an opinion. Like, because I just was like, oh, the shoe's not great. Or, and I, <laughs> I tend to like bite my tongue now because again, people take it so seriously of like how I'm going about it. So, um, yeah, it's just it's just different. But I, I don't say that people are quality. Like, you know, most people are like, oh, it's New Year's. I'm going to cut people off. I'm not going to mess oh, I with got this cut. person. You I'm guys gonna... shut me off. Shut me down real quick. When I was like, hi, guys. Happy New Year. You're like, no, it's February. Prem, like no happy New yeah. Year. You well, and I'm me, just talking shut me about, down. I'm just talking about <laughs> cutting them out your life. You know, people be oh, like, oh, I'm getting oh, all these wow, toxic yeah. people out. <laughs> uh, you know, I'm going to go in this new thing. But it's like. We've become so, um, you know, like life has changed past 2016. It's a lot of judgment, right? Yeah. And imagine, I always tell people, right? I hate the term skeletons and closets, but everybody got them. Um, and it's it's easy to throw stones and then hide your hand, especially online community. Like people mm. take pride in whistleblowing now. People take pride in like seeing the downfall of others and not realizing the humanistic part of it. Like, again, don't get me wrong. I'm not vouching for, you know, serial killers, rapists, domestic (laughs) violence abusers, but life happens and people make mistakes. And I think people draw the line in the sand on how they feel about certain things, or you look at how close you are to something and not willing to let it go. You know what I mean? Because, like, think mm-hmm. about it. If you're all your favorite musicians or, you know, artists were problematic, now what do you do? Because you've eliminated and you've held your morality to such a high standard to, like, hey, I'm going to cut it all out now. I'm just mm-hmm. going to be bored. So now you don't have those conversations with people. You don't have this. And it's like, okay, now when it happens to you, you're turning to people like, but you know me, right? I'm a great person. 
<laughs> this is one time it, I messed up. And I, I just think that the internet creates this false sense of reality of like perfect people, people that done something that yeah. may be passable for public and then the really bad people. You know what I'm saying? Like, I think that we get to that. Like, oh, you voted, you're a Republican, so you're a bad person. No. Yeah. You know, like, I I think that it gets weird to a point. And don't get me wrong. I don't think that's cool. Because I remember avoiding politics at Thanksgiving. That used to be a thing. (laughs) Now, the decision of people getting vaccines and things of that nature gets even weirder because it's a tug of war. And I'm not saying... Hey, you it's I grew up Christian home and I remember looking at other religions thinking they were going all going to hell because I was programmed that way of like, hey, this is the way and this is how it's supposed to go. Professor Steve Smith at Waldorf College told me, you're Christian, right? Now I want you to write a comparison and contrast um 36 page paper on every religion compared to Christianity. Oh my gosh. And he said, it's the only way you're going to graduate. And I wrote it. And this was back then, like where you sitting in a library and you getting checking out books. Yeah. The internet really wasn't giving everything. I'm pretty sure I probably could have, if I learned the internet, how I knew it now, I probably wouldn't have spent those countless hours in there, but I was reading mm-hmm. and it gave me appreciation of like, how Buddha is, Buddhism is the same. Shinto is, I mean, Confucius, et cetera. And I, I left that and it, I, it, it changed, it blew up my whole world because I was in such wow. a judgment from everything to like now, hey, what I've been kind of taught was a lie, kind of, you know what I'm saying? Hmm. Or like, I'm going to make it my own way. Like, yes, I'm a Christian or I'm spiritual, but I'm going to adapt some of this stuff or I'm going to adapt some of this stuff. Cause it's like a lot of hypocritical stuff, um, in Christianity sometimes. So I look at the same way as how I look at the online presence and people I've, I've talked on, on many platforms about this and I don't want people to like get confused and be like, Oh, I'm co-signing problematic things. No, Mm -hmm. but also I look at cancel culture like once you get canceled you got freedom you know what I mean like honestly because now no one cares and you can say whatever you want you can listen to whatever you want and I think people Mm. just want to be liked and not be judged but like imagine if you was never judged or you're judged out you know what I mean I don't care what he does he's canceled so now yeah, I think that's the true freedom. Honestly, it sucks because, again, I do understand why people get these weave these certain people, individuals out. I get it. You're supposed to slap these people on the wrist. But to a standpoint of casting them out of society, I think it's extreme. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, like, I mean, so much of what you said, I, I'm not even sure which direction Sorry to go towards. Sorry for winded, too. No, no, don't apologize. I think it's really interesting because I think you're right. I think a lot of it has to do with social media about our drive to want to put people in a box. That's what Mm -hmm. stereotyping is, right? Our own biases and everything. Like that's how our mind naturally I've learned in school is how it works. We like to put people in a box because that's our way of organizing um, our personal experiences. And it's also in some ways like a protective layer. It's like, okay, if I put this person in this box, I might know what to expect from them. They are a quote unquote good person or bad mm-hmm. person, whatever. I feel like social media has has driven some of those things. But a, a couple of the words that I 
wrote down when you were when you were talking was just like humanistic judgment evaluation and like I, I feel like all of those values are obviously like so in line with with the show in terms of just showing the humanistic side of sport mm-hmm. I've been on that trend and then judgment just taking away the judgment that was that was the whole aim of this show is whoever comes on it's all about taking away the judgment and creating a safe space for all of us to talk about their own stories and then mm-hmm. the reason why I wanted to bring you on and have just a general discussion and maybe have a wing person was because there's always topics out in the sports world right where I think it's important to address and so I wanted to kind of go towards that a little bit and and talk talk about things that are topical. Mm-hmm. And one thing that that's obviously that so many people are talking about is just the Tom Brady retirement point right. 2.0, I should say. Um, and if it's going to stick around. And I know your background, you used to be a ball player and you're, you know, most of what you do is in the basketball space. But I think we could mm-hmm. talk about this because you you know so many athletes mm-hmm. who try, who who step away, who retire, who, who struggle as well. I But... I'm just curious about how you feel about this. And I don't want you to hold back on your opinion, but just a general thought of how are you feeling about how he how he's walking away from football and kind of what's transpired over the past 18 months. And I'll share my opinion after yours. Um, I totally get it, right? I mean, mm-hmm. I know a lot of people were like, oh, he's retiring again. I think you want to approach every situation without regrets as an athlete, especially if your body allows you to. Right. And he's had this like killer diet, this killer mentality. He's been able to do it for 20 plus years, which is kind of unheard of. Sometimes he's playing to 45 years old, which is a blessing in disguise. Like most of the time people don't, don't think that way. And he's, you know, invested enough into the sport enough to prolong his career to that situation. And again, I don't even think he really wanted to continue to play um, last season, but, you know, uh, with his, with his big moment being spoiled, he just couldn't allow it. Um, And -hmm. also there's a thing of like camaraderie, like when in sports, like one of the guys, like, not saying that going home and being a family man is bad, but it's an unfamiliar world. I compare it to like getting out of jail. If you've been doing a 10 year sentence or 20 year sentence and you come home to a new world that um, has advanced technology and you have never touched these things before, you are going to be shock valued. Everything is going to feel like the earth is going a hundred miles per hour, you know? Mm-hmm. So, um, now, finally, you know, his 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 retirement video this time was a little bit more believable because you can see he wanted to get it over with. He didn't want to be critiqued in the situation of that. He just wanted to hurry up and handle it. But you can see towards the end of the video, the motions start to flare in. The truth starts to kick in that this is the end. You know what I mean? Like, and although you you go to the Hall of Fame, you have this great career, et cetera. It's just that final saying goodbye to something you've been doing your entire life. You know, it's considerably the athlete's death, right? Yeah. 
And I, I mean, I'm sure you faced you faced it during your playing days. I faced it during my playing days. Mine was a little earlier because at 27, I had a series of things of injuries. But I don't think I was ever on the path to greatness. Um, I was just fortunate to be able to continue my career post high school, collegiately and some professionally. And I looked at it like, for one, I'm not having fun anymore. Two, my body is not enjoying this. Three, this feels like work. And it's no longer fun. And hmm. I think that's the thing that fans sometimes that have never got a chance to like prolong it. Once it becomes no longer fun to you, you need to walk away from it because you adapt some bitterness to it. You adapt some hate to it. You cannot enjoy it as being away from it. You cannot enjoy it as coaching or yeah. applying something to it because it becomes personal. And I felt that way for a long way, long time before I could jump back into it. I didn't really? watch NBA games. Yeah. I had to like fall in love with it by teaching little kids. You know what I mean? Like mm. I was a school teacher and I was just like, the pureness of this is because kids who are very raw and just want to have fun. I'm okay with coaching it. I didn't care about the wins or losses. I didn't become competitive in that situation. It was mainly like, hmm, how can I give back to this sport that gave so much to me? But then how can I like not bring the competitiveness to it? I don't want to be competitive anymore. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So in Tom Brady's situation, he now has to accept the life of, you know, I – I don't, I mean, like I guess I don't have a lens inside his home, but now being a full-time father now being, you know, do I really want to go know what it feels like to go into a grocery store again? Do I want to know <laughs> what yeah. is it like to go into a bank? What is, do I want to know if like driving a car in a normal, you know what I mean? Society, obviously he's going to get that love for the rest of his life because of what he done on the field, but not getting ready, getting your body ready for training camp not preparing for the, the next week and studying film and something that you've committed to your craft, maybe not taking your diet so seriously. Maybe, I mean, it's so many different factors. Yeah. And then you think about your routine just changing so drastic, you know? And I think mm -hmm. personally, I struggled with like, what will people think about me now that I no longer play sports? What is the next profession will I pursue? The first job I had was UPS. And I'm like, I just went from like playing basketball, making money to play basketball. And now I'm working at UPS. And the thing is, but UPS, I was grateful for. My first shift was 3 a.m. to 9 a.m. And I was working wow. with people that had been there for 20 years. And they were able to make, you know, with this... <clears throat> You know, career they was able to provide for their family, have insurance, um, but showed me true hard work. And sports, not saying that we don't work hard, but being able to get up, being able to, you know, have a work ethic, it put mm -hmm. a whole new perspective of like, oh, I thought I worked hard because, you know, I took yoga and I got extra shots up and I would shoot for two hours and then I would go play in these runs and then I go shoot for two more hours and then I would shoot a thousand shots and I would practice this one move a thousand times and then nothing compared to like the real work. You know what I'm saying? Like, think mm. about this. You play, you know, you play collegiately. You got, you know, your professionalism in tennis 
But like compared to life as a mom, compared to life as a student, compared to a life as trying to put it all together, which one's harder? Oh my gosh. Right. You parenting. Have, and also, and <laughs> also have and also have to have the mental capacity to have a friendship, to have companionship, so to hard. have all these other things be factored in versus a sport where people cater to you. You know what I mean? Like now you kind of get to escape the real life stuff for a little bit. But now when you retire, life is back at your front door again. It's so it really is. It really is true. It's, um, you know, when I talk to athletes, so many of them in an indirect unconscious way talk about how it's a nice escape. And most of them, a lot of them use that actual word as like, as just a nice escape, especially for those who came from maybe difficult background, disadvantaged backgrounds, stuff was going on at home. It was, it was their way out, whether it was their house or getting away from school, just general familial issues. It's a great escape. And I think that the thing that I've started to learn as I've combined like what I'm learning in my doctoral training and working with patients, last year I was at a college counseling center and then this year I'm at a VA hospital. So I'm actually at a substance abuse residential program um, with veterans. And then all the interviews that I've done with the athletes, I think I've started to realize that it's okay and actually, it's really great for sport to be that escape and mm -hmm. to be that vehicle and to be that coping mechanism. But now I'm starting to realize that along that way, along the way, especially as athletes become adults, there needs to be that mentorship of like, okay, those things that weren't addressed as children or when we were younger or what's going on in our personal lives we can't just use sports. We have to deal with them. And, you know, with with Brady leaving the game, I think you're you're completely right. It's it's definitely a death. There's that old adage um, that every athlete dies twice. The first occurs upon retirement. And it's really true. I, it sounds like you experienced it in some capacity. I also, I definitely experienced it. And it was like a death that I was totally unprepared for. I didn't even know it was coming. I didn't know what I was feeling. Um, and, and I also wrestled with those same thoughts of like, I actually didn't even ask that question of who am I now? It was more like, I am nothing now. <laughs> my, my mind went directly mm -hmm. to that conclusion, which is not true, obviously. But I think the thing that I kind of feel, I feel bad for Brady. And yet I think it's a tremendous lesson. I'm kind of a person of like looking at some of these things and talking about the lessons. So to help educate, like what you've talked about, educating a lot of the listeners, hopefully sports parents and other younger athletes, is that I think Brady finally came to a head where his professional values and priorities were now coming at a clash with his personal priorities and, and values. And success does come at a cost. And it, it gets really hard as you get older, especially as adult and family and kids, to juggle it all. And I think what saddens me is that his his family fell apart. His marriage fell apart and his family fell apart along the way. And I think at that point, it was really too late. I'm curious, like, what you think about just the personal aspect of, of what happened. And, you know, it's funny, like, a lot of people, I think a lot of sports conversations are, are centered around the same thing. 
but I think it's important to talk kind of about the personal aspect, not from a judgmental perspective, but in the sense of like, you can't separate the personal from the athlete, the person from the athlete, because they really influence each other. Right. Um, I think it's definitely unfortunate because again, you would like to think both can coexist. Um, Mm. but I, I think it's not only, as fans' perspective, our fault, too, because we push. And I, I see it all the time, especially in the NBA, where fans are like, you should be in a gym instead of, like, doing other things. And I think, yeah. you know, this starts when we're young, right? And your parents groom you and they get you a trainer and they say, we're going to be very good at this one thing instead of allowing you to grow. I don't have any children, but I was a school teacher. And from the school teacher perspective, what the kids really wanted was just to be a kid. Yeah. So when you're committed to one thing for the for the majority of your life, that's all you know. And now you have to learn on the fly those missed years. So when you see guys getting uh, arrested, you see guys getting in trouble for things, you're like, He's an idiot. How did that happen? It's because they're making up for the lack of teenage years in the early 20s and things that normal college students would go about. Like LeBron going to South Beach was compared to his college years. He had been living in he he had been living in Ohio his entire life. Mm-hmm. So to finally get to venture out and live somewhere else and have a good time and and actually play with his friends that was the collegiate part of his life. So when you really think about certain things of like more artists, I mean, more um, athletes getting into like the music industry, you got people um, starting creative stuff and they're, they're, they're branching out, but then you still have the fans like, Hey man, what are you doing? Why are you doing that? We forget that these people are humans first, mm-hmm. you know, you only play a sport. Think about it. Like average, uh, Career span in NBA is 4.5 years and football is three years. Mm -hmm. So if you're fortunate to play 20 years of your career, think about it like this. LeBron is 38 years old. That's insane. He's been playing playing professional basketball for 20 years. He's been playing basketball since the age of possibly five years old. So that means he's been playing basketball on this earth for 33 years. When he decides to hang it up, whether it's at 40 or 45, the average lifespan is 75 to 80 years old. You got 35 years to live non-basketball life. You know what I'm saying? And it's like, are you really, you know what I mean? Like, because you're committing nine months of the year to a craft. You got three months of each year of your life. The past 20 years, think about that. Three months of the past 20 years, he's had, quote unquote, freedom, which probably calls training. He's out on a trip and he's like, I got to get nap in. I got to go eat this certain way. He has yet to have the fun part of his life. And through the sacrifice that has made him super successful, but we know there's no real thing. It's security. You can have all the money in the world. If someone that you love is sick, you can't buy them a new person. You can't, you know, these Mm -hmm. moments that you commit to your career, 
it's sacrificing it. You're missing out on great time. So understanding the mental of it, the capacity of breaking it down, you know what I mean? Like I look at it like, yes, I want to be successful, but what at what cost? What's more important to me at 38 years old? I'm 38 now. And yes, I have my hands in so many things, but I also have to have self-talks and say, Trey, what are you really working for right now? Mm. You know what I mean? I don't have any children. I, the ultimate goal for me is to have a family. You know what I mean? Like a, a partner. Is that your ultimate and goal? I think so. Because at the end of the day, that's what we all work for. Like, I mean, materialistic things have an effect on things. Mm. 72 hours in my mindset. You have the social gratification you get from people. Hey, that's a nice car. Hey, that's nice shoes. I like your dress. After you've seen and you've gotten everything poured into you, you know, and somebody comes to your house and say, oh, you own this? And you're like, oh, yeah, that old thing. It doesn't hold any real value to it anymore. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Long term, you can acquire things. You can buy all the things that because you're bored because you have money, but it doesn't equate to the happiness. Say you lose a parent. Say you lose a sibling. Your sibling's in jail for life. You can't bail them out. Like, these are things that money can't buy. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Like, these are things that we work so hard for that we feel like would make us happy. And solely, like, our brains are wired so chemically unbalanced to a point where we trick ourselves out of position every time. You know, I always joke and say, um, no matter how successful you are, we all end up on Facebook. <laughs> Right? I was not prepared for that. <laughs> yeah. No, and it's true because yeah. you want to reconnect with those old people. You know what I mean? Yeah. You could be as famous as possible. Well, once you retire, your community is Facebook. You got your <laughs> old friends. They're sharing things. You probably don't even want to talk about sports. You just want to connect and see, share pictures of your kids, probably mm -hmm. connect, get a number from someone and things of that nature. But in the process of all this success, you're ignoring those folks. So it's like, join us on a couch. Finally, here you go. <laughs> we still love you. We still, we've yeah. always loved you, but you know, you've neglected us for all these years and we're still here. You know what I mean? That's the one true social media that is honest. It is one social so media that you, that you cannot upstage. No one cares about your verification. No one cares about stories. Because they went to high school with you. They seen you on your worst days. They seen you on your best days. You know? And they see you now. It's so true. They can honestly because they can honestly say, hey, 20 years ago, you had hair. You didn't have any tattoos. You, you know, you were you were this scrawny person. You were this this very fit person. You know what I mean? Like, hey, how old is your kid? My kid's going here. Maybe I can yeah. give you some advice on this and that and the third. So it's it's unique. Um how that affects things. So I always try mm -hmm. to check myself and find out what's so important. And I think mm -hmm. it's hard because we all want to our 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 versions of success is all differently. Like I I'm I'm no one to scoff at someone's idea of wanting to be a millionaire, but I say, okay, once you become a millionaire, what's next? You want to become a billionaire? Do you want to be a multimillionaire? Like what is the goal? You know what I mean? Cuz at the end I of the do. day, who, like, what else do you want to do? You know what I mean? Like, I think in gratitude is a huge part, too, that I'm trying to learn. I, I'm gaining mm. gratitude living in New York City. Um, growing up in Los Angeles is Groundhog's Day. Weather's the same. You know, a beach is, we got beaches everywhere. 
Hollywood is a, a, a backdrop. You don't think of these things until you go other places. I lived in, I went to college in Iowa and I was like, oh, I can't wait. Like it's snowing for eight months. It's snowing for six months. I can't wait to get back to LA. You know, I live yeah. in New York City. It's, it's cold right now. But when it's 50 degrees, people are out on their stoops. They're playing music. We're yeah. appreciative of good days. You don't get that everywhere. You know yeah. what I mean? So like understanding like, the idea of being able to start a pot of coffee, to start a pot of tea, to drink clean water, like perspective, to perspective. have two working, yeah. to have two working legs, you know what I mean? To have mm -hmm. a right mind. You see people constantly in New York City with mental health problems that oh my gosh, probably, yeah. that probably were successful, probably had great jobs, and then something just happened. And now it's like we ignore them and we don't help them. And 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 I would never end up like that. It just takes a blink to end up like that. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, because life is hard. You know what I mean? Like, I think is. that's the thing that we just don't, you know, and people have mental lapses. I'm, I'm grateful to be able to afford therapy. You know what I mean? Some people are like, therapy's mm -hmm. not for me. Well, it might not be for you yet. But I think everyone needs to have that person that they can talk to. Because if I just talk to you and or Maze or I talk to a friend, you're probably going to coddle me. And give me something to make me feel better because you're exhausted of me being sad hmm. versus someone mm -hmm. I'm paying that, you know, is going to be like, I don't know you and I'm not trying to be your friend, but this yeah. is what I'm hearing. Yes. <laughs> it doesn't get any realer than that. Yeah. Uh, people think that going to therapy is all about getting advice and it's really all about like our jobs is not to offer advice. I operate off the mindset that the expert in the room is a client. My whole job is to hold, is basically hold up the mirror. I mean, like, this is what you're saying and this is what you're, say you're feeling and your position. And what do you see in that mirror? Are you okay with that truth? And I think that's like the part of it that's so, that's so hard, but so rewarding and, and special. Um, the Facebook, the Facebook concept is really hilarious because you're really, you're right. I, I don't go on Facebook, but if I'm, I'm talking about like my original crew, my mm. original social media community. I mean, those are people that have followed me since I was like a, a reporter who bombed in Miami, actually in North Carolina, started out in North Carolina when I was making $8 an hour as an intern and then sports reporter, news reporter. And then I made the jump to Miami Oh my gosh, did I bomb on my first day there calling the Dolphins' um, first preseason game. They also saw me go through, uh, I was engaged prior to my, prior to Ben, um, my current husband, and they, I went through that whole thing publicly. They saw me get laid off from Miami. They saw me get me laid off from ESPN. <laughs> like they've just seen mm -hmm. the worst of it, and it doesn't get any more real than that. But but you're right, though. There is, in essence, like I think that what we're talking about is just authenticity and really mm -hmm. trying to figure out where where happiness truly lies. And sure, we're, we're getting into a philosophical conversation here, but I think it's really important because I think the Brady, the Brady context, um, I was actually listening to The Daily with Pablo Torre and he was interviewing Seth Wickersham, one of the ESPN reporters who's followed Brady for a really long time. And he was talking about a recent, the recent docuseries um, interviewing Brady and Brady had kind of mentioned, he was talking about his kids 
And Seth had mentioned that there was a quote where Brady was like, you know, I really hope that my kids follow their passions and do something, find something that they love. But I think I took it to the extreme. And for him to kind of point that out was really honest. And I think it showed just like a flash of maybe some guilt or or regret in terms of, I think, particularly maybe, maybe it might be with his marriage. I think it's especially relevant with his kids. Like you lose that time with your kids and there's really no turning back. And I think that probably, that probably hit home for him. But yeah, like the, the, I'm curious about what you think, um, you know, because with athletes, I think it's really easy and understandably so to get wrapped up in that, what some of the athletes have talked about, how they feed into that external validation, the validation from the money and the contract and the sponsorships and the fame and walking out into the, onto the quarter field and you get that fandom craze. Like there is nothing like it. But then a lot of them also talked about that emptiness afterwards and also mm-hmm. how they realize that when they're no longer an athlete, it is the relationship that immediately stops not only loving you, but thinking about you. And I'm curious about what your thoughts are about that. And also maybe some of your friends or colleagues that maybe have talked about that. Yeah, I think it's 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 something that you don't think about when you're active, right? Mm-hmm. And for example, um, one of these players I was around, I think it was like year two, and people were crowded out, just wanted begging autographs. Hey, can I get the autograph? And I'm like, I know it's annoying, but enjoy it while it lasts <laughs> because this will stop. You know what I mean? Like, it's like being an old toy being tossed in a, in a toy box. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's a new toy coming sooner or later. So you have to enjoy the moments when you're loved, but then also appreciate the, the, the lives you impacted during the time people loved you. You know what I mean? Like what mm-hmm. footprints on what footprints did you leave on their hearts during the time when you had their attention? And it's very rare because again, the battle of it, no one thinks that it ends. Athletes sometimes feel it's internal. It's like, ah, oh, I'm gonna be here. You know, I'm gonna be yeah. playing. No, it's, this love is gonna never stop. You know, I see guys from the 90s. And I get excited more about them than the actual current players because <laughs> I just didn't get a chance to have access to them when I was a kid, mm. you know, um, versus now I know everybody under the sun, you know what I mean? But it's also, I see them as humans. I don't mm. see them as, you know, these superstars or these people that, you know, and more so as watching a fellow uh, AAU high school teammate, Darrell Wright transition, right? When he retired and he was going into media and he's been head coach at Donda, coaching for Kanye West's high school. And then now he's back in the media. And it's like understanding that transition of like, okay, NBA is gone. I don't expect anyone to stop me unless I was like, you know, he's a member of the 2006 Miami Heat team, um, but he didn't have such a huge role. But in that part of Miami, he's going to be forever Hey, you guys were great. In other parts of the world, it's going to be like, can you introduce me to Steph Curry? 
You know what I'm saying? Because they were teammates. So you have to understand it like, or it's like, why is people going up to say hi to him? And it's like, (laughs) he's tall, but what is, why? You know what I mean? Like, because those (laughs) are the things. People just want to, you know, the interaction of it. Um, So I'm sure it's an ego hit. But once you kind of swallow your ego or destroy it and you just kind of accept how life is, the easier it is to transition. Mm. Um, so I think like how you mentioned with, with Brady and, and things looking in the mirror and the honesty of like, Hey, learn from me. Although I accomplished these great things, I missed out on my family. I've potentially in, uh, in the public eye have, you know, severed my marriage, not saying that I won't be happy and I won't be able to continue my life. But understand what's important to you. If you have a family, mm-hmm. do understand that if you're going to be successful, it's my, probably going to cost you your marriage. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, not saying that, but like, there's times where you have to choose one or the other. You know what I mean? Like, I've never been married before. You, you're married right now, but I can understand. Like, I was listening to, um, you know, it was a documentary, The Defiant Ones, and Jimmy Iveen's ex-wife. I'm a creative. And she was saying that Jimmy would lock himself in the room and she knew not to knock on the door because, you know, this comes with the territory of marrying a creative. They're crazy. They have to, because they're, you know what I mean? Like they have to, you know, noise. I'm laughing because I do that because we both work from home sometimes. Mm -hmm. And so my, this is my office and Ben is one of those that will be like, Mm-hmm. Sorry, Maze, to my producer, but that was actually, you know, and I have now started putting a posted on there mm-hmm. where it's like, hey, writing, text me. But to your point, though, we we have to be careful about like really those boundaries yes. and what seeps into our personal life and our priorities. And for me, yeah. you're right. It's the marriage and the family. Like yeah. at what cost? Yeah, it's 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 like at the end of the day. When you're retired, successful, who is there for you when the smoke clears? Mm. And I think mentally we're clouded. You see it. Just it, it it's crazy um, that in your background, it's a silhouette of your family, what's important to you. Right? Yeah. Mm. Right. Think about that. You're working right now, and the silhouette behind That's you That's true. is the most important thing. You get what I'm saying? Mm, I do. But that's what it looks like when you're working hard. They are faded in the background. Oh, my gosh, Trey. Oh, my gosh. That's so true, though. That's really sad. It is sad. (laughs) But again, you feel like you're doing it for them. Mm. And that's how our minds work sometimes. We feel like, you know what? I got all this time in the world. And they'll understand that I'm doing it for them. But it's like, are you doing it for them? Are you doing it for yourself? You know what I'm saying? So like, these are the things, you know what I mean? Like that is a, is going to be a battle. Not saying that if you hang up off this call and you're like, you know what? That hit me right there. Maybe I need to slow down this and that. No, because that's not how, that's not how life works. You know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. yes, I still have this goal. 
but maybe I cut down an hour and add this little bit more time of it. I didn't think of it that way. You know what I mean? Because I even go so yeah. hard. Like I don't, I text my mom, but I don't call my mom. I don't call my grandma. I call my grandma once a week, but I'm like, should I be calling more? Should I make <laughs> another trip out west? You know what I mean? Because I'm so hyper-focused on work. Yeah. Because I think I'm doing it for them when they wouldn't care regardless. <laughs> yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, they, they don't I really care do. regardless. Like, you're going to be a winner in their eyes regardless. Like, Ben's not going to be like, all right, I want a divorce because you didn't accomplish this. You know what I'm saying? Duke's not going to be do. like, hey, I don't, I don't want this. You know, you're not my mom because you didn't do this. No, it's so true. You know what I mean? We've created yeah. these expectations for ourselves, but also, what are we doing it for? Who are we doing it for? Does it matter? You know what I mean? And in Brady, to get back to Brady, did it matter? Because fans, yes, we love you. We think you're the greatest of all time. But the most important thing, you're rich. You can't buy another them. You can't buy the time back. You know what I mean? His kids are, he got a kid that's going to high school, I think, or middle school. Yeah, he's but got three of them. Yeah. I said, you dedicated majority of their lives to your career. You can't buy that time back. Now they've invested all the time to mom. They feel like, Mom, they're at age, they're of age now to know what you chose. You, you know what I mean? Because mm -hmm. you could throw it back in their face and say, well, you're living this great life and this is how it happened. But like, they could be like, I don't care. Here, take it all. We'll never talk to you again. So it's choices in these things of like, you know, I think it's even harder when kids are of age and understand it. You know, I always used to joke with, someone talking about the uncle dad syndrome. Are you familiar with that term? No. What is so, that? Like a uncle dad that's dad. not around? So the dad, it's visitation stuff. Mom has to take the kid to school. Mom has mm. to deal with the bad stuff. Mom is the bad cop. Dad is the good cop. So when you go see dad, it's always fun. But when you get of age and you have to have these conversations, mom was always there. Mom was at a uh, parent-teacher conference. Mom was yeah. doing at all my plays, all my games. Now, it's the reverse. And I always tell my friends with kids, if they're split with their partner, do understand you're a woman and you have most of the responsibilities. You're the real winner of this deal. You know? Because dad is, you know, letting you eat ice cream late at night and it sounds fun, <laughs> but when it's really important and I need you, mm -hmm. where are you at? Not saying that you know, males are like absent fathers, but to the point of like, if you're not, you know, divorce has happened in real life, but like, if you're not on a, if you can't be mature enough to have a partnership to make it work, yeah, you're going to miss out the important stuff, which Brady has missed out on. So now dad shows up at the door. Hey, you get to stay with me this time. Meet my new girlfriend. And it's like, Mm -mm. All right, dad, whatever. I'm going to stay in the room. I'm going to be on my phone the whole time. And he, now he wants that attention that he solely missed out on. And once those relationships are fractured, or once that trust is lost, 
Like it's really hard to gain it back. And even I'm I have no doubt. I have no idea what his relationship is with his kids. It seems like I don't know. It seems like on the surface it's, it it could be fine. But even if he were to re-engage with the kids' lives, some of these things that absence his dedication to football, it may actually emerge. 5, 10, 15, 20 years later as the kids become adults and you realize it's like, ah, right? I'm sure you've probably experienced some of those things about when when you go back in therapy or when you're in therapy and you're talking about some of these, your past and your childhood, you're like, wow, I didn't realize that actually bothered me, you know, and, and you begin uncovering some of it. But um, firstly, Every time I sit on my Zoom, I actually just recently, Maze knows, I, I recently rearranged my office, but I will never look into the camera and on a Zoom meeting ever again, the same ever again, because now I will always think about what you just said about mm-hmm. my family in the backdrop. But I think the Brady narrative really, um, I connect with it and in a, a very sensitive and like emotional way. I, I can't. I can't figure out the adjective, but because I see some of myself in what he did in the sense of that was very much a part of my tennis journey where Mm -hmm. I was, um, I focus on sport. I went to a tennis academy. My family, you know, my parents weren't divorced, but they separated so I could pursue that. I had to leave home. So there are a lot of sacrifices. Like I changed my entire life and childhood basically to pursue that. It happened again with broadcasting. I basically poured everything into that. And then here I am getting my PhD. And I noticed it with the help of my therapist and actually Ben. I was talking about those Ben. And so I suppose the moral of the story is that Maybe we might take this opportunity to reflect on our patterns and we can also learn from each other and also maybe learn from somebody like Tom Brady and to enjoy his, all that he did for the sport and all, and celebrate his successes. And at the same time, also walk away with some lessons that it's a good reminder that to really consider and remind ourselves about the things that matter in life, not what society tells us, which is like the materialistic stuff and the fame and the money but the people, that's basically what it boils down to. So thank you for ruining that artwork behind me. Cause that's hey, what I'm Ben not, got me for Christmas. I know, <laughs> like, but no, I think, I think Ben was trying to remind you what matters. There you go. And the placement uh, is so perfect. Yeah. But this, this has definitely been an amazing conversation. Um, a lot of perspective. Yeah. Yes. Thank you so much, Trey, for coming on. 